The silence was excruciating, the minutes ticking by thick and heavy, time itself gorging on the tension in the humid air. Even though the shades had been drawn back from the trio of windows pocking the long plaster walls of the cavernous dining room, it was impossible to tell how deep into the afternoon the day had drifted. The dense forest that surrounded the isolated two-story compound cast deep shadows across the reinforced glass panes, shifting whatever remained of the bright summer light toward an ominous gunmetal gray. For the eighteen middle-aged men in dark suits shifting uncomfortably in their seats as they waited in that palpable silence around an oversized dining-room table, it was hard to believe that they were still technically within Moscow's city limits. Though, to be fair, this aging stone house tucked in the middle of the dark woods, surrounded by a pair of chain-link fences topped by barbed wire, was a symbol of a much different Moscow than the rapidly growing metropolis beyond the wire. The men in this room had traveled back in time more than fifty years the minute they had been ushered out of their chauffeured limousines, now parked in glistening rows behind the double fences, and led through the dacha's front door. The setting of the meeting was not lost on any of the men. The invitation that had been delivered by official courier to each of them in the preceding weeks had been met by everything from incredulous laughter to expressions of suspicion. Every soul knew what this place was, whose house this had once been, and what had supposedly taken place here. None of the men looked carefully into the shadows that played across the aging walls, darkening the corners of the vast, high-ceilinged room. Even though this house had fallen into disuse a generation ago, and was now more museum than functioning dacha, the meeting's address had meaning far beyond the invitation itself and the longer the men were forced to wait for whatever was going to happen next, the more ominous the setting seemed. Under the best of circumstances, these men were not accustomed to waiting. To describe them as powerful businessmen or even billionaires would have been a laughable understatement. Among them, they represented the largest and fastest accumulation of wealth in modern history. Within the Russian media, they had garnered the label oligarchs, a term that was usually derogatory, defining them as a class apart and above. According to the popular notion, over the course of the past decade, as the former Soviet nation had lurched into capitalism through a complex, often shadowy process of privatization, this class, the oligarchs, had accumulated insane riches, and they had used this wealth to embed and twist themselves like strangling vines into the ruling mechanisms of the nation's government, economy, and culture. Most of the men in this room would have bristled at the designation. If anything, they saw themselves as representatives of the new, free, and modern Russia. Almost all of them had come from poverty. Many had clawed their way out of childhoods filled with deprivation and prejudice. Many at one point had been mathematicians, scientists, or academics before they had turned their ambitions to business. If they had succeeded, and yes, as a group, they had succeeded to a degree perhaps unique in history, it was despite the chronic corruption and cronyism of the shifting Russian paradigm, not because of it. Oligarchs or not, men who earned billions were not known for their patience. Eventually, the silence got the better of the room, and one of the invitees, seated closest to the door that led back into the interior of the house, cleared his throat. 
If some Chechen managed to get a bomb in here and blew us all to hell, he asked, do you think anyone would mourn? Awkward laughter riffed through the room, then trickled away into the shadows. The macabre joke may have hit too close to home. Whatever the men thought about themselves, it wasn't exactly the best time to be a billionaire in Russia.